Saw, dude. You're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision, bruh. Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song from our study on the gospel according to Matthew. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. Matthew 16, verses 1 through 4. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to test them, test him and asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, When it's evening, you say it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it'll be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you can't interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. Man, that's a... It's a sad verse at the end there. He left them and departed. Like it wouldn't matter if it was a normal, but that was Jesus. He left them and departed. Like scary. Anyways, let's just go through this really quickly. First verse. So Jesus just got done. If you look at the section before, if you have your Bibles open, he just got done feeding the 4,000. Huge miracle. This is the second time Jesus fed thousands of people with very little food. Okay, so he just got done doing one of the big miracles that we that's pretty famous. And then it's like they missed the party or something. They got here late. They got she showed up after everything was done. These Pharisees and these Sadducees came and they're like, show us a sign. Do a miracle, Jesus. Right. Just like you guys should have shown up like 10 minutes ago. Right. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, if you guys know, they are the religious leader, groups of religious leaders at the time. They represented, uh, yeah, the religious Jewish establishment. And they were rival factions. In fact, they were kind of religious and political enemies because they had different interpretations, different theologies, kind of like different denominations, like in the Christian church right now, especially the ones who don't agree and really like are mad at each other and get fight over things like predestination, free will, ah, you know, and they like fight. Right? It's kind of like these guys. Pharisees were like, there's a resurrection. The Sadducees were like, no, there's not. And they were sad. We call them the Sadducees, right? I'm sorry, that was a bad Bible joke. I don't know why they're called the Sadducees, okay? But so they were, they were political and religious rivals, but they joined forces in their hatred and opposition to Jesus. Like they hated each other, but not as much as they hated this guy. So they like joined forces to go after Jesus because they realized that Jesus was on neither team. Like at first, I'm sure each side was like, this is a popular teacher. I wonder if he's going to join us or if he's, you know, or join them. And then after they watched for a while, listened to the things he said, they're like, he's not joining any of us. In fact, he's kind of speaking out against all of us. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we wonder today what political party Jesus would be a part of if he was in America. Would it be a Republican, Democrat, you know? And each side says that Jesus would be on their side. Republicans are like, the evangelical, like he's going to be with us, right? And liberals are like, oh, no, actually he'd be with us, you know? Like, because each side has their things. But I bet if Jesus came, he would just call them all out for their sins. And then they would join forces to destroy him. 
right? It's crazy because like Jesus doesn't follow the, the groups and the rules that human beings create, right? We wonder too, like which denomination would Jesus join if he came, right? It's like he would probably blast us all for all of our own st- stupidity and our sins. We keep doing that. We keep fighting over these things. And Jesus doesn't walk that line. He's God. And so they come, and they're like, show us a sign. And they're not actually looking to believe. They want, they're trying to just disprove, they're looking for reasons to not believe Jesus. Because Believing in Jesus is not good for their lifestyle. They have to, if Jesus is right, they have to change their lives and they don't want to because they love the things in their life more than truth. And so they're looking for excuses to not believe in God. Does that sound familiar to anybody? You don't want to change, so you would rather look for reasons to not believe. And so that's why they're here. They're not actually here looking for faith. They're looking for reasons to not believe. So they come to test him. They ask him for a sign from heaven. They're asking for a a undeniable, like irrevocable sign, evidence, 100. They want proof that you are who you say you are. And you know what Jesus does? He's not even tempted by this. Like if I was Jesus, I would be like, do you have any idea how easy this is for me? I could snap my fingers and half the universe could turn into dust. You know what I'm saying? I could just command fire from heaven and consume all of you in front of everyone. It would be so easy. I literally just walked on water and I could probably just command all that water jump on you right now. Like, like if I'm like, if I was God and these guys are like, well, if you're God, do something like, I'll just be like, boom. But Jesus isn't even tempted. He just says, no. He's like, I'm not going to show you anything. Which, because we know who he is, it's kind of like, like, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if that bothers you. Because you're like, come on, Jesus, just do it. Like, do something. Like, you just did things. But he's not. Because this is exactly what the devil wanted Jesus to do. This is the the tactic of the enemy. In Matthew chapter four, if you guys remember like five years ago when we were on that one, right? Matthew chapter four, one of the temptations in the desert that Satan came before Jesus started doing anything. Satan came up to Jesus and like, all right, Jesus, you the son of God, then go up. I'm going to take you up onto the temple where everyone can see you, throw yourself off, and then angels will come and catch you and then everyone will believe in you. Isn't that why you came? You wanted people to believe in you? Well, do this crazy, spectacular miracle in front of everyone and everyone will believe in you. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, Do not put the Lord God to the test. That is not how I'm going to get people to believe in me. What are these guys doing? They're here to put Jesus to the test. They're doing exactly what the devil was trying to get him to do. And that's exactly the kind of thing the devil is trying to like get us to say to God. How many times are we like, well, God, if you just do something miraculous in my life, then I'll believe in you. Like all these b- miracles that I read about in the Bible, God, just show me one, just one of them. And then I'm like, I'll be good. 
I like believe in you forever. You know, you guys, you guys ever see movies where like the main character or like some side character is like, like in some sort of situation. They're like, well, God, if you save me now, then I'll go to, you know, I'll go to church on Sunday for the rest of my life. You know, you make, you bargain with God. You do this and then I will do this. You do this and I'll believe in you. Right? Like, I know I've done this before. I've asked for this before. I remember in high school when like, I'm like wrestling, should I believe in God or not? When things get hard, I remember like sitting in my room, playing my guitar, crying into my praise chords. Back then we had these like booklets with the, with the song sheets and I'm like, God, are you there? You know, you cry out and I'm praying and I'm singing and I'm like, if you're there, just give me a sign. Like, just give me like a small, like just anything. Like, use a whisper, like one word, like hello. You know, just give me something. Give me something, God. Like, just the tiniest, like, you know, just send a bird to fly across my window right now. Nothing. Nothing. It never, never happened. He never gave me that miraculous sign that I, I'm like, if I just, I don't need the seas to be split open. I don't need to see a storm. I don't see a mountain. I don't need any. I just want the smallest, smallest, like, thing. Right now. God, right now. Never. Never happened. There would be moments where I was having a crisis of faith and I'd be like, God, I demand if you don't tell me, show me right now, I'm going to walk out of the church forever. I remember I had this moment and I was in my church sanctuary after Hebekido, which is early morning prayer in the Korean church. And I was like, I demanded that God like tell me something and I got nothing. This is exactly, and you know, it sounded so holy at the time. I was being so dumb. Jesus is like, I'm not going to give you a test. I'm not going to show you a sign. I'm like, why wouldn't he do that? Because here's the thing. If he does what they tell him to do, then what kind of God is he showing himself to be? He's revealing himself to be a God who has to prove himself to them. You know, like a, a God who has to be like, please believe in me. Let me, let me just show you. And then he has to prove himself to them. Who's God in this situation? It sounds like such a needy, little, petty God who's begging to be believed in. But Jesus is saying, I will not do what you say because that is not who I am. I am God and I will reveal who I am on my terms, not on yours. He will not reveal himself to be a God who does what we tell him to do. If you believe in a God only because he does what you tell him to do, you believe in a God who does what you tell him to do, which is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is almighty, sovereign. He is who he says he is. He just is. His name is I am. He does not need to prove himself to us mortals. He just is. And he's say, and all he says to us is, I've already shown you what you need to know me. Now go look. He says, I've given you every bit of evidence you could ever need. You know what it's like to how, how to interpret the weather. 
You can piece that together. Look at the world. Look at the universe. Look at all that I have made. Look into the depths of your soul. Look at all the evidence that's all around. I am God. Look at what I've done. There's something deep inside every single human being. You know that this isn't all just happened. That's why every single civilization scattered around the world, isolated from everyone, all somehow deep in their core, know that there is a God out there. Atheism is actually the, the great exception in human history and the minority throughout all of human history on every single continent of every scattered people. They believe that there is a God. They just don't know who he is but he has come to reveal himself to us and he will do it on his terms. They came to test him. They want a sign. We want a sign. We want one little word. He wrote us an entire book. You want a tiny bit of evidence? He gave you the resurrection that changed the entire world. How do we know you're real? And he says, look at the only sign I will give this generation is the sign of Jonah. And he points them back to their scripture. And do you guys know the story of Jonah? If you like grew up past Sunday school and you know actually read the story, it's not just about you know a story about a whale and a fish, whatever, in the song. It's a story about God's mercy on a, upon a people who did not deserve it. The whole story of Jonah talks about the heart of God. It talks about an evil people of Nineveh who, was who deserved destruction from God. And then out of the mercy of God, when they asked for forgiveness, even though they didn't deserve it, God said, I will have mercy on them. And then the prophet Jonah got so angry because the prophet Jonah was like, no, these people don't deserve it. They need to be destroyed. God, why would you have mercy? And God said, because this is who I am. That is the story of Jonah. And what Jesus is saying is, you want to see who I am? Look at Jonah. I, that's why I'm here. I'm here to bring mercy upon a people people who do not deserve it. I'm here to go into the, into the belly of the earth and then come out three days later to bring mercy upon the world. You, you, you want a sign? He sent his only son to die on the cross for you and me. Some of us are like, God, do you really love me? Then prove it. Give me an A on my test. <laughs> Get me into this school. Get me this girlfriend. I, I, there is a kid that I, I talked and I asked him why he doesn't believe. And he said it's because there was a girl that he liked and he really thought she was the one and he prayed and then she rejected him. And that's why he's not a Christian. And he's like, well, if God really loved me, I'm not making this up. If God really loved me, then he would have given this girl to me as my girlfriend. And I'm standing there being like, he died on the cross for you. Are you freaking kidding me right now? It's like my son Ezra saying like, you don't love me because I didn't give him like, like a certain toy that day. It's like, are you, do you not see the evidence of your entire life? Everything around you is evidence of my love for you. Your very existence is the evidence of my love for you. 
And then based on one little random thing that you decide, you say that that is the thing you need as evidence of my love. That's what we do to God so often. When the evidence of the love and the mercy, the forgiveness of God is literally, we are swimming in it. Every day. We can't see it because there's too much. It's like, you know what I'm saying? We think that like we can't believe because we don't have enough evidence of the love of God or the reality of God in our lives. It's The reason why we can't see it is because there's too much. It's like fish being like, I don't believe in water. <laughs> if it was real, I could see it. And you'd be like, bro, you're swimming in it. You know? And then as you pull the fish out of the water and then it's like, ah! You know, and then you show it's like, okay, fine, put me back in, right? And sometimes that's what it takes. Like, we're like, I don't believe in the love of God. And then he pulls us out into a situation where we don't feel it for a second. We're like, ah, and then, then he throws us back in. We're like, oh, thank you. Okay, I forgot. Sorry, I forgot that you literally, I'm swimming in the grace of God every moment of my life. Jesus will not give these Pharisees what they want because what they want isn't a choice. They just want something forced upon them. They're like, force us to believe in you, and then we'll believe in you. You hear the, the irony of that statement? Force us to believe in you, and then we'll believe in you. That's what they're saying. Give us like irrevocable, unequivocal evidence of, your, of the reality of who you are, and then we will believe. I'm like, no, then you don't believe. Like you don't believe, you don't need, like you don't believe that I exist, me, Pastor Joe. You just, that doesn't take faith. But we, it takes faith for us to believe in God. And how are we saved? In the Bible, it says we are saved by faith. It would be easier, and God could so easily give us 100% absolute proof of the reality of who he is, but he always gives us a choice. That's what faith is called. He will give us enough evidence to know and to believe if we want to. But if you don't want to believe, he will not force you to believe. Because what he wants from you is faith. What he wants from us is love chosen to give. He wants true love. He wants to raise up a people with a faith that is free, not a faith that is forced upon us. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Because they're saying, like, force us to believe, God. And God's like, I'm not going to force you because I want your love. I know, I don't get it either. But that's just the way God is. Because he's that good. You want evidence? There, it's everywhere. You're like, how do I trust in the Bible? Guys, look. If you actually look, he's saying, look, you know how to interpret these things. You, you guys want to know the evidence for our scripture? We literally have more archaeological and historical proof of our scripture than any other scripture, any other religion in the entire world. This is the most reliable, ancient like source for history more than anything we have. And I'm not even exaggerating. You do a little bit of research on the validity of these scriptures, you're going to find more than you can handle. We just never looked. Jesus is saying, look, 
It's already there. He points to the past. He points to Jonah. He points to the scriptures. Our faith is based on not what might happen, but what has happened. Do you guys realize that? These guys are saying, we'll believe in you if you do something for us in the future. And Jesus is pointing, no, look back at what God has done, what he has promised, what was done. Because our faith is based on rock, not on like a wishful thinking. You guys realize that so much of us are like, I'll believe in you, God, if you do these things. And God's like, no, you believe in me because of what I've already done. What's more solid on what is done? That's why every time when people are like, how do you, why do you believe? Why do you believe in God? We'll always point backwards. We'll always point back to what was done. We'll always point back to the cross. We'll point back to the scriptures. We'll point back to the testimonies of what is already done. We worship God because of who he is and what he's done. If you look in the Psalms, all of the Psalms, all of the worship is based on what he's done. Again and again, the Israelites are like, God, we worship you for what you've done. And then they remember what he's done. You saved us from Israel. You fed us in the desert. You delivered us from our enemies. You did all of these things. You've forgiven us and all of these things. They recount them again and again because our faith comes from remembering. That's why we come to church and we read. Why do we read these old books? They're all about the past because that's where our faith comes from. It's based on what is done, completed. It is sound. And from, as we look back, it enables us to walk forward confident in who he is. That's why every morning we're called to remember him. We're called to go to the scriptures, to look back on the cross. That's why every month we come and we have communion. And the point of communion is to remember what he's done. He's a God of the already done, everyone. That's what our faith is based on. To recall, to testify, to remember. And those who want a different God than that, Jesus calls an adulterous generation. You guys know every time in the Bible when a a people is called adulterous generation, it's because they didn't want God, they would worship other gods. And Jesus says, if you're looking for signs, then that's because you're not looking for the God that has already presented himself to you in this reality. You're looking for a different God. If, oh, if you're like, I want a God, and the God I need to believe in is a God, I need these miracles, I need him to do these things for me. If you're looking for a God like that, you're an adulterous generation. You're not looking for the God of the Bible. You're looking for a different God. You're looking for a God you can command. You're looking for a God who wants to do what you want and to fulfill your desires. You're not looking for Yahweh God. And so that's, that's who he is. And he's already given us all that we need. And he says, come, do you choose to believe me for who I am? evidence is all around. It's so ironic. The son of God was literally standing right in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The living son of the almighty God was standing right there and they were saying, show me something else. How sad. And Jesus says, clearly, you're not looking for me. 
then he walks away. Guys, Jesus is here. Are you looking for him or are you looking for something else? He's already given you all you need to know him. You just have to want him. Some of you are waiting for something new or something else to prove him. Then you're waiting for a different God. For he has already proven his love to us. All of history is evidence of who he is. We have 2,000 years of generation after generation after generation encountering the living God and lives being transformed. You have people all around you who have experienced the testimony and the life-transforming reality of the Holy Spirit. We have the evidences all around. We just have to open our eyes. Amen. And so let's stop asking for a sign and let's start opening our eyes to Jesus who's here. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Han Vision Podcast. We hope you are blessed. Join us next week on Han Vision.